Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Matt, Jordan and Tom here to discuss, well, probably the season-ending 2-0 defeat away at the Dementors of Azkaban, Luton Town. Yeah. <laughs> right, guys, I mean, it's probably pointless asking you this, but how are you feeling after that one? Yeah, um, I think pretty similar to, to how most of us are feeling. Pretty disappointed. Um yeah, I mean, we're going to get into it. It's, it's, it's a complex one, but yeah, extremely disappointed and uh, honestly, a little bit flat, which I, I find disappointing in itself um, after that one. Tom? Yeah, do you know what? That's quite a good way of describing it, Jordan, being flat. I almost, I can't get angry about it. It's nothing new, right? We've seen this, the same shit, different week. Um, and it's just a shame that it was against Luton. Um, yeah, was, oh, just, honestly, just can't really be, that bothered with the rest of the season. You know, this was the one you thought if they win against Luton, even if it's a bit scrappy, even if it's imperfect, that might be the catalyst. But it was the furthest thing from a catalyst, wasn't it? And you just think, what is the point now? Like, what is the point? I might just go to some National League games for the remainder of the season. I mean, you're probably in a good position to do that, Tom. I am. I I was half tempted to see if I could persuade Lauren that we should go to Wrexham against Notts County on Bank Holiday Monday, which might decide that title but um even i thought that a trip to north wales on bank holiday monday was pushing it <laughs> the ryan reynolds sway isn't enough yeah. for you tom no that's it I, he's he's not answering any of my calls to try and hook me up with tickets so uh... disappointing <laughs> tom you found a good um tweet from from mikey abrahams who who said has there ever been a more appropriate date than april the first for a, a derby fixture against luton it basically just it sums it up. He tweeted that when I asked for questions, and he's absolutely right. It just sums the whole day up, doesn't it? That and you know, from the moment that the pictures filtered through of us on, you know, what I'm going to say because I can already hear you sniggering um, of, of us sending Harry Potter coaches up the M1 to to Luton. Is you know the, the the jokes write themselves. It was hardly a magical away day, etc. You know, it just. It doesn't matter ultimately, but when everything else about the football club is so miserable at the moment, it's just yet another ridiculous thing, isn't it? It just heightens everything else. And um, from that point on, it was just, it was really, it was just one of those days, wasn't it? I don't think there's anything that you could take out of it as a, 
as a positive, you know, they were April Fools, Watford in, in every sense of the word. It was they just seem to follow a trend that has been prevalent in so many games this season where we just we were just passengers. We just felt like we were lost at sea. You know, the ball was just back and forward, bouncing around. We couldn't get hold of it, made you know, Chris Wilder referenced this in his post match quotes, kind of poor decision making so often. Um, you know, conjured up, well, I didn't even mean that as a pun, but conjured <laughs> up as little as it could possibly be um, imaginable. So, yeah, it was just, it was just wretched, wretched, wretched. And, and the fact that it was April 1st as well, we were, that we were the butt of the joke. Yeah, he didn't pull a rabbit out of his hat, did he? Just a turd. They certainly didn't, no. <laughs> were the coaches maybe particularly economical or something is that maybe why they brought in there seeing as we are the was it third in the league for being green as a club is that what I saw yeah, yeah oh well one of the things we can be oh see it doesn't really matter what goes on the pitch because we can be yeah. thankful for all these things who needs you know? to win that's uh, something we can really hang our hat on who needs to beat Luton when you can be economical yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, let's have a look at the team then. Um, it was just one change. Uh, Hamza Chowdhury in for Leandro Bakuna. Um, probably, you know, the right call there. But was it the best 11 that we had available to, to Chris Wilder? Um, I, I, personally, I was surprised to see Ngakia start the game. But, um, you know, there are lots of people out there who felt that was the right call as well. What did you make of it, Jordan? I think you would assume fitness is still an aspect as well when you look at the players that, that will be coming in for him. Um yeah, I don't know. It was it was interesting. I think we, we did discuss a little bit before in regards to Chowdhury playing in there. And this is a particularly hard game to kind of break down. I'd say I don't think it's it, there's too much to almost take away from it from a from a tactical point. But I, I do think that we saw some of the negatives that we were concerned about with Chowdhury coming back in there. Yeah, he does the things that you know as fans we want to see. Often he gets into tackles and he's, he's physical, but. He does leave a little bit to be desired at times. I think when you see him in that deeper position, he struggles somewhat. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. Obviously, Saar on the bench too. Um, but, you know, mm. it's hard to say because I don't feel particularly confident that you could move that team around and, and bring the players in, take some out, and you'd really get much of a different performance in that game. I think we were kind of resigned to that that standard of performance regardless of, uh, of who played, it felt like. Mm. What went wrong from a tactical level? Watford never seemed to really be in the game. They were always second best. Well, I think you nailed it. I think you can't you can't kind of impose your own tactical approach if you're if you're second at everything. I don't mean second every ball, I just mean second in 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 every facet. It was, it was as Tom said it's too, it's really passive. So, you know, you're not really gonna have much of an influence. You're just kind of being reactive and this this is a team that we've we felt this quite consistently, really, that we, we are too reactive and you know, often we've pointed to to coaching styles and so on, which which have an impact, and I think they do, but we just don't we don't really have any kind of it's like we lack a level of self assurance to be able to do things, and mm. it's tough because you kind of flip between us not being able or us not being willing, and you know it could even be a mixture of both, but it, it was just the worst case of inactivity from our players. There was no there was no cohesion there's no togetherness everything we saw from that I try, I can't, I'm losing my who was it Birmingham at home was Birmingham at home the game we kind of played pretty well in the first half was that was it a different one yeah Birmingham at home Birmingham yeah yeah Yeah. so that that first half we saw we really hoped that was 
you know, maybe the, the spark of life that we've been looking for and we start to see something come through. But, you know, we can't even get that. We can't even replicate that. I don't think we've replicated it really at all since that half. That's the best half of football we've had all season. And we've not even come close to it since then. And that really does kind of, I think it's quite damning to the players, you know, because you, you can see there they have got an understanding of what is what they want to have, or sorry, what WADA wants them to do. Um there is a base level of understanding at least, but there's just no execution. Um, and, you know, Luton, obviously, the, the occasion makes it harder. It's a a more difficult pitch to, to play on than Vicarage Road and, and especially executing that sort of plan. But we weren't even 40% or 50%. We were, we were nothing. We were terrible. And I think it's just, uh, it's a real shame that, that of all days, it was, it was that one that we were particularly bad on. Mm. Tom, in recent games, Watford have been lacking severely up front, but the defending has more or less been okay, especially since uh, Hoots and, and Portis came through the door. But um, against Luton, um, you've put down here a fantastic line. You've said the the defending was as weak as milky tea. I don't even like tea, to be fair, but even I know, <laughs> I don't know, even I know milky tea is weak. Uh, yeah, it was just... I mean, the, on the two goals, I mean, I think I said this to you, I said this to you to another Watford WhatsApp group I've got that Lauren was in and out of the front room in the second half. She's got no great interest in football. And she sat down and watched for the kind of last 10 minutes because so we were going to go out straight off that. And uh, before the second goal went in, she said, they're just not trying very hard, are they? And then she called the second goal. And I was just like, well, if someone that hasn't watched this all season and, and has no interest in football can say that, then bloody hell, it really stinks, doesn't it? Um, the defending for the second goal was awful, wasn't it? Just another set piece, another one where they seemed to be queuing up and had time to put it away. There was a chance even in the first half that was kind of similar, wasn't there? Was, was it Alan Campbell who had the shot and then Batman somehow pushes it over, gets yeah. fingertips on it from very close range? Um, the yeah. first goal was similar on it. Osho, you know, wing back. How's he got in the space there to do, to do, to score that? You know, pick his spot essentially, and it happened a few times. Yeah, that's it from a bloody throw in. Um, I, there was a few Batman saves, but I think also there were other opportunities. You know that who I don't thought didn't have a great game. There was a couple of times where he sort of badly misjudged headers. One, I can't remember if it was offside in the end or what, but it's kind of dropped over his head. And I think it was Carlton Morris, who I thought just terrorised us, basically, didn't he? He he had the beating of anyone that he went up against on the day. Um, You know, we got away with it so many times. It was just just rubbish. And, And I heard this point made elsewhere, so it's not an original thought. But when I watched the slightly longer highlights back, it was apparent. You know, they're pressing compared to ours. They were so kind of relentless. They were so hot on it and they created opportunities in doing so. There was one when Backman rolled it out seemingly without looking to Chowdhury, who evidently didn't kind of have a look behind him and took a touch and came under pressure on the edge of the D. And, you know, we were just, we were just weak, weak, weak in every single department. They wanted it more. They were aggressive in you know the right side of the line but aggressive in the challenge and um to be honest they were probably all the things that we were in the reverse fixture at Vicarage Road but we just lacked um and it doesn't come as a surprise completely uh today uh, today it's on Saturday 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today as well, probably. Probably today as well and tomorrow. Yeah. There's a, there's a horrible feeling, isn't there, um, after this game, most Watford fans assuming that that was the, uh, the the nail in the coffin and if we can't get up to to face you know our our, our, our rivals who we very rarely get an opportunity to to play then how are we gonna fare for the rest of the season I mean it's, it's practically over although before we came on uh, and, and began this recording we were pointing out there is only still six points in it so it's well within reach but does anyone? Here on this uh, chat, think that Watford are capable of getting there. Well, that's the thing; it's in reach, but there's just no, there's no real kind of faith in in, in this team kind of coming together. And I think, as you said there, you know, this is this is a the, the, the not the biggest game of the season, but it's obviously a big game in the season. And I think when there's a kind of a a feeling of distance between the play, the fans, and the club, and the players nothing kind of exasperates that more and makes you feel further apart or feel that the players have less of a of a feeling of commitment or des- desire to play for the team than when you can't show any sort of spirit in in, in a game like Luton away. It, it's extremely disappointing. But, you know, as you said, technically we're in touching distance still somehow. Um, and as Watford fans, I thought we've been here quite a few times. And in the last couple of relegation battles we've been in, we've somehow been within touching distance of escaping. Uh, yet never really shown any sort of 
will or or even getting close to to, to avoiding them both occasions but uh, again still within touching distance so will we be any different this time it's it's hard to see it happening but you know there's potential there. the, the run of fixtures is still somewhat favorable we don't really have the the opportunity to play teams around us and, and, and make them drop points but we know it can happen I just don't know if I see the, any sort of rallying of, of of this this squad before the end of the season. It's it's troubling. If the EFL rang us up tomorrow and said, right, all the other teams are non-compliant for the Premier League, all you have to do is get down, hot-footed up to the Football League. I think they're based in Preston or that area. Um, and, and just sign some documentation and you'll be promoted at the end of the season, come what may. We'd still find a way to miss our train fucking miss our cab miss our plane trains and automobiles to get there in time we just you know we just can't help but get in our own way and i think yeah as you said jordan it's what this represents almost even if the reality is still that we could do it it's um it's impossible to believe that we will and we don't want to be obviously we don't want that situation no one does it's you know it's we, especially when you come in here and you have to talk about it too it's not it's, it's not fun to talk about um in such negative terms but yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard. I think this team really just lacks lacks character, and that, we'll get into the comments uh, of Wilder after the game, his post game comments soon, I'm sure. But you know, I, I think there's just a, there's been a feeling for a while, just this kind of gut feeling it started out as, and then things along the way have started to confirm it. But it just does seem like a weak weak group, um, and there's no there's no ability to kind of fight our way out of any of these situations it just seems very 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 passive very soft and uh yeah just not enough to to kind of see us through in these situations yeah shall we get into them now it's, he's been pretty damning of the team hasn't he he's really thrown them out of the bus but um i think most Watford fans at least the reaction that i've seen is um yeah fair play to him for saying it but let's start with some of the um some of the comments then um he said that tactically, it was a game of two shapes against each other. They're 5-3-2 against ours, but their front two were better than our front two. Their midfield three were better than our midfield three. Their wing backs better than our wing backs. Their back three better than our back three. So they've won individual battles all over the pitch, which allows them to dictate the game and allows them to go and get the result they want. And then when he was asked um, if the Watford club uh, need to start again, he said, uh, I think so. I think it might be a bit of a cultural reset for the football club. When I walked in, I was really excited and we've shown glimpses at times. I've said to the players, they've shown glimpses of real good quality, but this is championship football. That is a championship game out there. Maybe a little bit more than a championship game because of the edge and the local rivalry. But you've got to do the things right physically and mentally before the tactical and technical part even come into play. Do you know what, actually? They need to be told, you're not as good as you bloody think. You need, and I've said this before, you need to work to earn the right to play the way you want to play because... All they hear is this kind of mollycoddled, oh, there's the train. <laughs> Everyone tunes in just for that moment, Tom. Yeah. All they get is this kind of mollycoddling. And, and I just, I just, I think, you know, we've tried the carrot. But, you know, it's not going to make any difference now. But I think as a general point, someone needs to come in and try the stick. And for that reason, I'm all for the return of Beppe Sanino. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But in all seriousness, there is, there is something in that, I think. It's... Good on Wilder for coming out and saying how it is. It's a shame he's going to go at the end of the season in all likelihood. But I'm not saying he should necessarily stay. But in the sense of it's almost meaningless because they'll most of this squad will probably outlast him. But, you know, good on someone for just being straight up and, and saying it how it is, saying what we're all thinking and what they what they need to hear. 
um, whether it has any impact or not, I don't know. But you would like to think some of the players will be stinging from some of that criticism and their pride will be a little bit hurt. Yeah, and hopefully some of the ownership too. I think it's it's he's in a he's in a position where he's able to say that and not really be too bothered about the consequences because obviously he's in a short term situation and he can say what he feels really. And I think it's validating for a lot of us to even hear that those words be said publicly because you know most of us feel like that is pretty accurate. The club does feel like it needs a reset in a lot of ways, and even to use the word cult- culturally, I think is is important because we we talk about the mentality and, and and that's one of the hardest things for us to really identify or identify or kind of pinpoint as, as a reason as to why we've been struggling so you need someone that's around there because we're not so we need someone that's around there on a day-to-day basis to to, to kind of actually verbalize that and say that it is a problem because it, it feels like something that the 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 ownership has been trying to avoid acknowledging previously so it is, as I said, somewhat validating, which is positive for us. Uh, at least one nice thing to hear. Um, even though it is obviously also concerning too. But, you know, I, I felt this during the game. And it, it just, you look at that squad and the way they were playing against Luton. I just I just think it really just, it just stunk of players that know they're not going to be here next year. And it's just, there's no real consequence, is there? You know, like how many of that team are going to be playing for us in the championship next season? Two, three, maybe you know the starting eleven. And I, I hate to side with the man, but Rupert has made this point for a while now. You know the what is the consequence? And his his kind of way of looking at it is often through Cabaselli, and you know he's got such a long contract and he's paid so well and he's made this many millions. But it is that I think, isn't it? There's there's either well, never mind. You know you'll be rewarded. You're on a long term contract and you'll stay, or you'll get to escape. So. You know, what is the consequence? You see it with so many clubs, don't you? Where, you know, Chelsea are obviously another one where it's that kind of idea of a player power. Well, what's the consequence? The manager will just get sacked anyway. So who gives, you know, who gives a hoot? And I do think there's a there's an element of that. And I was trying to think back to last summer, you know, we kind of all expected the cultural reset um, to be, I think, or well, I certainly expected the cultural reset that we were promised to be a lot more severe. You know, I expected that to mean a lot more, ter- a higher turnover of, players um obviously quite a few left but in terms of ones that actually played i don't think it was maybe as 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 big as and as deep as it needed to be i hope we get that this summer but i certainly won't be holding my breath and if it if we do i suspect it'll be by necessity rather than choice yeah i mean last summer it kind of started quickly then just slowed off to like went off a cliff didn't it in terms of players coming and going yeah it felt like a lot was going to happen i think this year as I said, you look at that squad and there's a lot of players in that in that starting eleven, even on the bench that aren't going to be around next year. A lot of players that are kind of you know, going back off loan. We know they're going to be sold. Um, contracts coming to an end. It's actually a very, very thin squad once once the kind of dust settles in, in the summer. So there's a lot of work to be done and you know it might be by necessity and hopefully we still work in a positive way within that. But one thing is for sure, no matter what happens this season, we're going to have a lot of change from a player perspective. Uh, there's no kind of two ways about it. So, you know, it's a good thing, and it, you know, you'd hope it's a good thing because uh, I think there's quite a few players that you know a lot of us fans wouldn't be too disappointed to see the back of. And not that they can't be good elsewhere, not that they can't be positive influences in in different environments. But I think, you know, we we've cultivated an environment where you have to be such a specific character to to thrive and and shine within. It's a tough place to recruit for currently, and we have to we have to have a cultural reset because 
until we do, we're, we're not going to be a winning team. We're, we're simply just not, we're not close enough to that, to that level um, to, to be competitive consistently, even at championship level. Wilder was also asked um, if he thought this was a wake-up call for Watford. And his reply was brilliant. He said, it can't just be another wake-up call. It's happened all season. You know, it, it, it can't just be another manager. He'll always look at the performance and the preparation in terms of the limited time that he's had at the club and the limited time he's had this week. Um, but he'll go to bed tonight, um, I suppose last night, with his, uh, or the night before, with his head on the pillow, um, knowing that he had done as much as he can. Uh, and he'll be wondering if any of the other players will be thinking the same. I mean, it's... Uh... It's, it's so damning. He's, he's really throwing them under the bus. Good. Yeah, I think it's appropriate to to do so. And you know, it's we we I don't really I'm not, I don't really hate the the fact that he's doing that. You know, under different circumstances, you might feel that it's a cheap way out. But I don't I don't disagree with what you're saying personally, from what I can tell anyway. I mean, I suppose he's you know he's in no real position of threat because he knows that his job. Is, is going at the end of the season. So he can pretty much say what he wants. And what what are the what's the board going to do? I mean, they're not going to sack him at this point, are they? they? The worst thing that could happen to him is they give him the job on a full-time <laughs> contract <laughs> next season. I think, isn't it? They like... Do you, do you know the film Ted with uh, Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> yeah. And he um, he keeps getting promoted at the store despite getting uh, trying to get sacked. I think that's the worst thing that could almost happen to to Chris Wilder that he keeps kind of saying his piece and being quite outspoken and to the point and whatnot and then Potso goes, oh, I quite like this guy and gives him the job. Um, he's not completely blameless and I don't think he'd say he is. You know, it's his job to inspire them, motivate them, get a plan across in place, find the blueprint that's going to get the best out of them. But you have to say, and I think he said it, you know, how many coaches can't all be bad or can't all be wrong? And it's true. We've had three this season. And we've never, for more than fleeting moments or you know periods, seen anything that resembles a, a level of performance that would be enough. We are exactly where we deserve to be, which is bang mid-table. I think actually the fact that he said that as well, didn't he, which is probably one of the more damning bits of his post-match uh, press conference where he said, you know, we're going to have, we're, they're going to be fighting for something for the next six, seven games, sorry, and we're going to be in mid-table obscurity and he's he's absolutely right and maybe as I said without repeating myself or I'm going to repeat myself but at the risk of repeating myself I think these players do need a bit of a reality check and 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 to be brought brought down a peg or two with with kind of comments like that Mm. well he's from the players under the bus should we have a look at his performance and see if um, he did everything possible that he could have done managers are often um critiqued on their substitutions. We didn't see Ishmael Yassar until the 65th minute. Was that the right call? I was a bit surprised. I thought in terms of if, if we're going to have any impact on that game, it became quite apparent that we were playing terribly. Um, and if we were going to have any impact, I, I was a little bit surprised we didn't switch away from the back three and just try to go a little bit more a little bit more balanced and maybe try and adapt to the level we were playing at by switch into that back four and trying to bring on Ismail Asar and, and maybe get some width there and, and try and hurt Lutonis in different ways, perhaps try and find some joy, joy out wide and, and see what we could do. But yeah, it didn't happen till late and we did eventually make that change kind of later down the line, but it was it was far too late. And it 
it never felt like we were in the game, um, even when the changes happened. So you could you could debate that, yeah, that we could have made changes sooner, but ultimately it feels, or it felt somewhat in, in vain by the time it happened. Tom, did Ishmael Coney have probably one of his worst games in a yellow shirt? Or in a black and white shirt, actually? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was because the, the Hive Live quality didn't seem to be particularly good or I wasn't paying attention or a combination of all the factors, but he just seems to be listless, like ineffective, just doing kind of his level best to not be involved in the game. I thought I saw more of Keenan Davis in midfield than I did um, Ismail Kona. I thought he was, you know, I've been impressed with him at times, but I've not necessarily seen every game he's played in. But I just thought he was absolutely wretched. Um, not even in the sense of getting on the ball and trying things and getting it wrong, just bit, you know, just completely and utterly absent, essentially. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, no one was no one was good, but well, Daniel Batman I thought did yeah. well, um, but um, yeah, he was just particularly ineffectual and pathetic for me. Completed four forward passes in. 78 minutes. I mean, what what can you do? Did Watford just have two shots and, and one on target in the 90 minutes? Is that right? I think it is, yeah. That's... Yep. And I can't even remember I'm the one that was what, on target. Was it, was it a Jao Pedro effort from quite far out? Possibly, I'm not sure. Yeah, your guess is better than mine. There was no feeling of, uh, of anticipation when the ball was heading towards the goal. I think it was... It, yeah, it was just. I mean, I don't know how many more words we could use to even describe that performance that that do it justice. It was. It was nowhere near close to even being. Uh, nowhere even close to being positive. So, yeah, extremely, extremely disappointing. The players out there that that we don't rate. I suppose I, I you know, we don't mind too much if if they go at the end of the season. But the, but the players that we do really care about. What are they thinking after a game like that, where they've been part of a team? they know hasn't performed anywhere near as well as it can do. And it's been a continuing theme for the season. Surely they don't want to be thinking about another season with Watford next year. Yeah, I guess it depends who you're talking about, but I mean... Well, you, I don't know. You like Sylvia Porteous, Ferreira, perhaps. I think if you're, if you're, you know, if you're one of those guys in this team, you're just, if you know that there's a chance you're going to be here next year, and obviously not so much the likes of Pedro and Sar and that, but someone like Porteous who has recently arrived, you're just hoping for for some kind of positivity in, in, in the upcoming window and, and just over the next hiring of a coach in the preseason. It's so it's so important to get right. But I'm, I think we're all just sick of the, the, the can being kicked down the road to actually make a change. Obviously, we thought it happened in the summer and I'm sure a lot of the players feel quite similar about the, about the situation too. They want to have the something to look forward to something to kind of cling on to because right now it's just it must be exhausting and just frankly hard to get imagine going into work every day if that's your environment i know they obviously get paid well and in all but it's still a depressing thought nonetheless we mentioned this briefly earlier but um we've we've said there is a chance mathematically for this team to get back involved but do you even want to see this team uh, in the playoffs I mean I'd be extremely surprised if we showed any courage for, for knockout football to be honest with you and I don't see us blowing away anyone with quality so it I could, honestly I'd be morbidly curious is how I'd feel 
I just, I just think it's almost bigger than that now, isn't it? It's you know, Potso, Duxbury, whoever you think is accountable, certainly Potso needs to see that this isn't the way and this isn't the answer. And you know, getting to the playoffs and losing, you can make the case. You go, oh, we're unlucky. We, we, you know, we came up against a, a good team over two legs or or whatever. Or you know, you get to the heaven forbid, you get to the final and lose. You know, it's almost a bit of a get out. Right, you didn't achieve your ultimate goals, but you can go. Oh, you know, we were close. We were close. I I tweeted. Um, I tweeted. What did I send? I think I sent it to a friend actually on Saturday. I said, if we're not going to win, obviously I hope we win. Cause I always hope we win. But if we're not going to win, then I hope it gets as bad as possible, like Swansea away or Millwall <laughs> away. Because yeah, I've got that morbid curiosity to see what happens now. Then do we? Do they go full nuclear and sack Chris Wilder? You know, the fan base is rightly fuming. Um, what the hell happens? I just, you know, I don't want them to be let off players, management, you know, executive level management. I don't hold Chris Wilder accountable, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the the picture's not good if we stay down financially. But um, I just, this kind of boom and bust, all or nothing way of operating just can't continue. There has to be change. And if they get away with it, you you know, can't guarantee it either way, but you can guarantee you won't get that change. I think I feel the same. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna not, if you're gonna miss out on playoffs, then then really miss out on playoffs just to drive home the point point of how bad we are. You know, this team goes down. The assets we had at our disposal, we did have parachute payments. We had some money to spend. We spent some money. We've still been conservative in some areas, but we also retained Jao Pedro's, arguably the best player in the league. We retained Ismail Asar. You know, we made moves. It wasn't perfect, but we had a squad that when fit, you know, they, they should have been challenging. And the fact is that we're, we're not even close to, I mean, we are close to playoffs, but we could feasibly finish in a position far from playoffs. We could be in the bottom half of the table. Uh, and when, when I think we were discussing things in pre-season, we were trying to be objective and optimistic because we're all aware of the frailties this team has. And it was never, it, we never went into this season thinking, you know, we're, we're nailed on favourites. There was always going to be that element of doubt and concern because we're, we've been through it too many times now. But I, I remember us discussing as a fan base and, and individually on here too, you know, if if we could just see, all we really wanted was, you know, if it was playoffs, fine. If we could, if we could get to playoffs, see some development on the Rob, and just see some some signs of progression, see some things, finish the season, and say, you know what, we we were a little bit here, a little bit lacking this area, maybe a bit weak in depth here, but with the, with the right pieces, the right adjustments, next season, you know, this next season coming up, that was the year we felt like we might be able to have that more balanced approach which would be more sustainable and, and more positive in the long run but instead we're in a worse position than we were last summer when we brought Rob in you know so it's it's really really frustrating to be in and it's it's, it's entirely depressing and tiresome to to be at the mercy of what seems to be just incompetence at the greatest level. Jordan there were naturally calls after the game from Watford fans saying things along the lines of, we should never have got rid of Rob Edwards. He was the right man in place. What's your position on that? I mean, you could argue right man, but I still think it'd be right man, wrong time in some ways. Uh, I don't think that Rob was in an environment to to succeed. I, I think 
he was put in a difficult situation. And I, I, I mean, from what I've heard, it was very early on that he felt that he was, you know, unable to to meet the targets that were set for him, and he was being had his hands tied and was kind of hamstrung very early on. So, I don't think keeping Rob would have necessarily changed our fortunes massively. I think there's a good chance we'd be better than we are currently, but I don't think we'd even necessarily be replicating the sort of performances or the sort of form that that Luton are in necessarily. Uh, it's a it's a bigger it's a bigger issue, isn't it? It's not as simple as the head coach. When you talk about positives or negatives, it's not as simple as just the head coach. And we've got much bigger problems. I wish it was an issue of 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 head coach problems. It's not. It's it's much larger. And I think Rob was a good appointment. I don't think Rob's perfect. I'm sure he'll still have his issues to that will arise over the the next few years and so on. But it, it's it, it's more just a kind of. It's more the statement that's made by the club to, to to move on from him, which is which is frustrating. And rather than necessarily Rob himself, it's just a another kind of hint that we're not actually going to be changing anything, and we're just stuck in our ways. Okay, um, we put out a call for a couple of questions ahead of the pod. Shall we go to those? Let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. One from Easy Mark Twenty Ten. Uh, they ask. Consistent calls for players to get out of this club, but realistically, how many and who can actually be moved on come the end of the season? And then following that, what is the starting eleven in the first match of next season? Two good questions. I think it's impossible to answer what the starting eleven is going to be next season. And I'll tell you for why, because as Jordan said, rightly said earlier, this probably is the summer where you can expect some turn or it becomes a bit easier to turn over the squad because you've got Kamara, Martins, Chowdhury, Arouge and Davis on loan straight away. You would reasonably assume that if we stay down, none of them will want to remain slash we will not be in the financial position to keep them anyway. And then you've got Asombalonga, Bakuna, Cathcart, Gosling and Cleverly all out of contract. Um, I don't know how many of those stay but I don't think it'll be all of them for a start I think Cathcart's the one and cleverly will possibly stay cleverly but being fit for the first game of the season is a real question mark yeah well there you go and actually having listed off Gosling if Adam Leventhal's reporting is correct he's already gone hasn't he so this is just taking it off transfer marks which also has Ken Semmer down but we know he's signed a new contract already um, and then you've obviously got Pedro, Saar. They will be presumably eyed up by bigger clubs, perhaps Imran Luza. You know, suddenly that's that's a team. Sorry, just quick, just quick on Imran Luza. Did I? I saw saying I saw Adam Lemetar saying that Luza signed a new contract. Was that was that one of those deals that just was was manufactured behind the scenes? There was no announcement, and it was just. No, he he did sign a new contract earlier in the season, didn't he? About the time that it looked like... Yeah, it was was about... I'm going to look it up now. That was about the time that it looked like Pedro and Saar were going or something bad had happened. And it was very... Because in in, in which case he signed... He signed a new contract, you know, six months after signing. Uh, Yes, so here we go... Uh, uh, 28th of the 9th. Oh, no, it was after we'd sacked Rob Edwards. Signed until 2028. Okay. Well, look, I think we'll probably try and retain the loser. But it, regardless, I mean, the squad is 
bare. You look at the striking options. If you you think when Davis is gone, you know Davis, um, Saar, Pedro, Asen Belunga's gone, Arouge has gone. We're extremely light in a lot of positions. Same goes for midfield as well. Don't worry, um, Bio will be back. Yeah, and also we can re-sign Raymond I as well, can't we? So. I was going to say Raymond I might be back as well, so it's not all bad. Yeah, it's true. So hang on, let's. Um, you keep talking. Oh, I'm going to jot everybody down that could go. Yeah, so I mean, these are these are yeah, this is an extremely thin thin team we're talking about. We've we brought in a couple of centre backs. That's probably the only position where you think you know you've got you've got Porteous, you've got um, you obviously got Wesley Who you know Cavaselli's got 12 years left in his contract. Um, and you've got some players that are going to potentially be there. But, I mean, fullback's weak. You know, who knows what's happening with Kamara? We've got no idea. Right back, Ferreira. Okay, I feel good about Ferreira. That's that's good. But, you know, behind him, you've got Ngakia, who's a question. Kamara step up for I don't uh, think so. Not for, a team that's trying to, not for a team that's trying to kind of push on if we actually are trying to do that. Um I, I I just don't I just don't see it, uh, and there's a lot of work to be done. And you know, in in some ways, you might say it's freedom um, because it's a necessity to to recruit. But God, it's a massive task, and I dread to think what the the, the kind of situation or restrictions we have are. But I mean, regardless, you're going to have to have a quantity approach, and 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 it's going to be difficult to hit all hit on all of your targets. But there's going to be a lot of players through the door. In uh, over the summer. On the subject of signings, uh, Jack Eaton asks, what's the thoughts on signing Chowdhury on a permanent? He says not for him, personally, because he doesn't believe he's good enough on the ball, but what do you make of that one, Jordan? Yeah, I agree, to be honest with you. I think, as I said earlier, he does a lot of things that we appreciate as fans. He kind of does get stuck into challenges and so on, but um, I don't think there's too many teams, there's not too many teams that that can really facilitate Hamza Chowdhury. I'd say he's a difficult profile of player. Um, he Not many teams play as an out-and-out defensive midfielder. If you do, you're generally a little lower down the table and maybe trying to be a bit more pragmatic. Um, you know, there is more of a tendency to play someone with quality on the ball. On the ball. Not to say that Chowdhury is not a good player in his own right, but he's not someone you want to be in possession a lot and you see how it's a it's an easy thing for opponents to to do is to to allow him to be on the ball and, and cover the rest of the space and we, we've seen that kind of constant recycling of possession through the chowdhury and ends quite poorly and he does have defensive qualities but I, I do struggle to see if he can kind of continue doing so that position I almost wonder if he better better off kind of Play. Not that I don't like to do this very often with players, but I think with someone like Chowdhury, I wonder if he'd be better off just actually committing to or trying to get into a team where he's playing in the outside of a back three or playing in centre back or something. Because I just think his position, his position at, at defensive midfield, is quite limited now. Um, but certainly for us, uh, I don't see it happening, especially when the fee is. It, what, what was the fee? Is it six million or something for him permanently? Yeah. yeah, in that region, certainly. Yeah, maybe if you can get the right players yeah. around him. Maybe if you're playing two deeper deeper players in, in midfield and you've got someone with a bit more kind of quality on the ball. But, you know, there's a reason why there's a reason why a lot of people feel the same way uh, in regards to bringing him in next season. And, you know, if, if you're talking about £6 million, I think you can invest it in, in, in more fruitful places or at least take, take a, a slightly better risk. So I think you've got Cathcart, Cleverly, Bakuna, Gosling and Asambolonga out of contract. 
Kamara, Martins, Arouge, Chowdhury and Davis end of loan. And you would reasonably expect that at least one of Pedro and Sars going, probably Saar, maybe Pedro. If all of that was to happen, you're left with Backman, Okoye, Hamer, Ngakia, Gaspar, Ferreira, Morris, Cabaseli, Porteous, Hoot, Sierra Alta, Pollock, Kayembe, Luza, Kone, Tom Deli, Bashiru, Samuel Kalu, Yasser Espria, Ken Simmer, Domingos Kina, Joe Hungbo, Quadro Bar, and then up front is the real trifecta. Uh, Vacumbeo, Nacho Pusetto, and Ashley Fletcher, if that assumes all the low knees come back. Truce de Kong is out on loan, but I think that is loan with an obligation, isn't it? So I think we can reasonably assume he's gone. Um, so, I mean, that would look quite good in League One in 2024. <laughs> but that is dreadful. That is, that is dreadful. Um, yeah, I mean, you're looking at, to improve that squad, I think you're looking at minimum eight players coming in, minimum, to improve it and still be thin. Realistically, if you're if you're putting that team together, you're if you're if you're Ben Manga, you're knocking on Gino's door every day and trying to make that twelve or thirteen players probably, with eight or so of them being starters because that is a that is a weak squad. Um, yeah, and that's the reality. You know, this is what happens when you when you, you you manage things poorly, and you know we've lost out on on players in in, in good moments. You know, we've this is the cost of. Of not building squads properly and, and having this sort of approach that we've had is you end up with these players in good moments of their career that we just waste. You know, Jao Pedro could have been someone that was influential for us or, you know, helped us get to a, a better point or progress us as a club. You know, we missed out on the likes of Esther Pinyan when we the couple, a couple of years ago too, where, you know, you, he finally gets here and he's gone. Same with Chicho Hernandez. It's, yeah, it's extremely poor and that that's a, a very, very thin squad. And you can just see what what happens where we are with the squad we have now. You know, we've got more quality players in Pedro and Sal that haven't been able to make a difference for us to the extent where it actually elevates our position. You know, maybe, I guess you could argue, where would, we, where would we be without them? Well, hopefully we don't find out next year because it looks extremely bleak without them. Did you guys see earlier the um, the reports on Watford's finances? Yeah. Yes, I did. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, absolutely. Um it obviously doesn't kind of make for good reading. Um, yeah, we're going to try and get an expert on who knows what he's talking about um, in, in more detail. I can say that categorically I am not that person. Um, I think, as, as we kind of know, it paints a fairly concerning picture in that we, are, we, we have borrowed a lot of money, be it from... Gino Pozzo or other lenders, as we know, Macquarie, the Australian uh, bank. We've got the kind of, the wages have come down, which is to be kind of expected, but obviously we've we've suffered the impact of not being um, in the Premier League consistently for this whole period. Obviously, you have to remember this is the, the financial year that's just ended so it doesn't take into account fully a season of championship football now but it takes in the previous season of championship football during lockdown and the kind of impact of that and so on so you know it's it's still a little bit of a an odd period in history that this covers um but broadly you know we have we have kind of 
borrowed more and more. Our debt is far greater than it's it's ever been, and debt as uh, I'm sure I've said before is not. And this is just taking something that Kieran Maguire says on the Price of Football podcast. Debt in itself is not necessarily a bad thing as long as you can service it, and that is the key kind of question for the the, the ownership going forward: is can we can we continue to service that debt and remain competitive so yeah so we're going to try and get someone on that will be able to kind of take us through it in total detail and accuracy because I, I, I personally hate numbers I'm terrible at maths and I'm also not very good at reading accounts either so apart from that I'm well qualified well we could just trust emphatically our ownership and, and believe when they say that we're financially stable that sounds like a good idea yeah let's do that that's plan that's plan b yeah yeah it's always good I to have something to fall back on See, I don't. I'm. I'm in the same boat. I. I don't feel that. I don't feel confident to to give a breakdown of of the accounts. I just don't feel educated enough to do so. Um, but there are some things that stick out, which you read from. Uh, you know, my perspective. You read and you think, doesn't look great. So hopefully, someone can come in and 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 be more precise and and give a better account of it. Because, uh, yeah, I guess we're not the guys for the job in this case. Yeah, hopefully we can bring that to you then, but we need to do some research and see if anyone would be willing to chat to us. Um, okay, then we, we've kind of mentioned everything I think we wanted to in this pod. Uh, just another brief nod towards the, the good work that uh, the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes guys are doing um, uh, with the sort of heading up of the Palachi Gino thing, but definitely wanting to um, make sure absolutely everybody that wants to have their say is involved in that. And hopefully that's something that can happen at the end of the season. I think people are just looking forward to the opportunity to speak to Gino himself and, and ask him mm. a lot of questions. Yeah, I think there's going to be some news coming on that in the kind of in the near future in terms of a bit of a an update on the work that they've been doing and those that have been involved have been doing. Um, so stay tuned. But obviously, I think after the Luton game, obviously doesn't you know one swallow doesn't make a summer or the opposite of a swallow, I guess doesn't make a winter but um it kind of makes the the urgency puts it back in people forefront of people's minds the urgency to get some some answers and some clarity Mm. one hatter does not make a winter yeah exactly (laughs) right okay then guys um i think we'll wrap it up there then uh we've had a review in which i will read uh just to cheer us all up this one coming this one comes in from dq4379 uh, who says it's uh, a must for Watford fans, a superb podcast that breaks down things a little on a tactical level rather than being just another straightforward fans podcast. Always listen to the very end of every podcast too. Doesn't everyone? Question <laughs> mark. That's very dedicated. And anyone who does is every bit as dedicated and we appreciate their efforts in, uh, in sticking with it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. And if you would like to um, give us a review as well, we do love to see them and we read them out on the pod when we get them in. All you have to do is find us Watford FC Buzz podcast on iTunes. Go down to the bottom, give us a rating out of five and leave a little comment for us to read out. That would be lovely. Read us help with the stats uh, and uh, the iTunes. Uh, what is it? I don't know. Algorithm. Algorithm. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it loves seeing that and it promotes us and gets us out to the wider Watford network. So that's good stuff. Um, also, we do have a Patreon as well. Um, and thank you to new patrons that have joined us very recently. Um, if you would like to become a patron, 
it is three pound a month which is cheaper than buying us a pint um especially around these parts i think it's about 450 the last one i've got um and basically it's just it's just an avenue to, an avenue to thank us for uh for coming together and chatting about this woeful season <laughs> Anyway, so uh, um, if you do want to do that, then you can find us, What For Bus Podcast, on Patreon, and um, you can see what to do there. Um, all right, then. So thanks very much for, for, for listening in. Um, I hope it's not been too bad a weekend for you. Um, don't worry, Easter's just around the corner, so you get a few days off to chill with your family and forget all about Watford. There is a game on Friday. Yeah, we're playing on Friday, and we're playing on Monday too, aren't we? So well, Yeah, that's true. That's true. But if anyone's going to be turning up, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. So actually, I think it's the opposite. I think we can really compound our misery by sandwiching our weekend with <laughs> with two <laughs> potentially horrible games either side of your uh, of your Easter, Easter weekend. So let's see if we can uh, somehow pull through the next seven days. Yeah. Well, either way, either way, um, try and have a good Easter. Um, we will be coming uh, and, and chatting about probably those two games in one, I imagine, because they're both close to each other. And also, the way Watford are playing at the minute is... <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to go through this, isn't it, guys? But um, we'll probably do both of those in one. Honestly, I might just I might just go back and watch the double header of um, Derby away and then Middlesbrough at home from was it nine? No, how long ago was that? Like seven years ago, eight years ago, over over Easter. That's that's the best way you can spend an Easter weekend. So if you do for if you feel so inclined, nice, yeah. come and join me. All right then. Well, thanks very much, guys. Uh, we'll see you next time. But from Matt, from Jordan, and from Tom, we've been the Watford FC Buzz, and uh, we'll see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 